Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Ken Brady, Director of Sunday School at Lifeway Christian Resources. It's my privilege to be with you this week to talk about an upcoming unit of study in the Gospel Project for Adults. This week, we're going to take a look at Unit 5, Session Number 4, and it's titled The Place of Meeting. Now, the suggested use date for this study is January the 23rd. Hard to believe we're almost a month into this brand new year. Well, as you look at this session that's coming up, we've broken it down into three different sections. And uh, the first one is titled, The Worship of God Centers on His Holiness. It's from Exodus chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. The middle part of your Bible study is titled, Worship of God Centers on His Forgiveness. Exodus chapter 40, again, and verses 12 through 15. And then the study will round out in a third section titled, The Worship of God Centers on His Presence. Again, from Exodus 40, we're going to jump to verses 34 through 38. So what will the group learn this week? Well, your people are going to learn that God desires to be with his people, and he declares to the world that he has made a way for sinners to be forgiven and made holy. Now, how will your group see Christ? Well, in this study, we'll see that the tabernacle is a reminder that God wants to dwell with his people. God would later dwell with his people in a greater way when Jesus came to tabernacle with us in order to bring us into God's presence. And then finally, how should your group respond? Well, because we are the people in whom God dwells, we manifest his glorious presence and we bear the fruit that comes from the Holy Spirit as we live in our culture, calling on others to place their faith in Christ as well. Well, remember that the setting for these studies and where we are right now, uh, after the pleading, after the pleading took place with God to have mercy upon the people of Israel for their sin of idolatry, God promised to be with Moses and the Israelites. Uh, yet restoration of the covenant would involve obedience to God's commands. So while on the mountain, the Lord had given Moses detailed instructions on the construction of the tabernacle its furniture, and the garments that the priests would wear, the tabernacle would be the portable tent where God would dwell in the midst of his people. And after spending over half a year building God's dwelling place, the tabernacle was set up and consecrated for worship. So let's jump right into this first section of your Bible study. It's titled, The Worship of God Centers on His Holiness. Well, here's what it says in Exodus 40, verses 1 through 11. The Lord spoke to Moses, you are to set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Put the ark of the testimony there and screen off the ark with the curtain. Then bring in the table and lay out its arrangement. Also bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Verse 5 says, place the gold altar for incense in front of the ark of the testimony. Put up the screen for the entrance to the tabernacle. Position the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Assemble the surrounding courtyard and hang the screen for the gate of the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it along with all its furnishings so that it will be holy. Verse 10, 
Anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils. Consecrate the altar so that it will be especially holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Well, the Ark of the Testimony, there is a wonderful sidebar in your leader guide on page 94 that I know that you're going to want to pay attention to. You know, most people will recognize this as the object that Indiana Jones went searching for in his very first adventure, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And so make sure that they've got a, a good description. Uh, they understand what this Ark is and what it was and what it meant to the Hebrew people. That'll be a, a fun sidebar for you. But as you get into this first session, remember that God uh, had freed his people from Pharaoh's bondage, and he was preparing them to serve and to worship him alone. And worshiping their holy God required detailed obedience, including following God's specifications for his dwelling place as the center point of Israel's life and worship. You know, I've had somebody ask me before, you know, why did God give such detailed instructions about things like this or animals or insects, you know, that are to be avoided. They're not to be eaten or touched. And I had a pastor explain it to me like this before. He said, you know, if we are obedient in the small things like this, then it becomes a little easier for us to obey some of those bigger things. And so maybe God has given us these small things to, to obey so that we will be in tune with his will, that we'll be practicing believers that will follow his will and do what he wants. Well, the tabernacle, the entire tabernacle, it could be set up in a single day, and it enabled the Israelites to move through the wilderness and to continue their practice of worship, uh, their worship of God. And Moses was given very specific instructions on how to set up the tabernacle, uh, working from the inside uh, to the outside. And the tabernacle itself, it reminded the people that the worship of God centers around his holiness. God had brought his people out of Egypt to his holy mountain, and there God revealed his glory. God was saying to Israel, I don't want you to forget that I, the holy God, dwell with you because I saved you out of slavery so that you could worship me. And through the construction of the tabernacle, its arrangement, and its anointing, God was declaring to his people that he is most holy. Well, the second section of your Bible study centers on Exodus 40, verses 12 to 15. We've titled this section, The Worship of God Centers on His Forgiveness. Here's what it says in verse 12. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Clothe Aaron with the holy garments. Anoint him and consecrate him so that he can serve me as a priest. Have his sons come forward and clothe them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so that they may also serve me as priests. Their anointing will serve to inaugurate a permanent priesthood for them throughout their generations. There's a great discussion question that I want to call your attention to here in the leader guide. And the discussion questions, quite honestly, they're always good. I thought this one was especially good and would really spark some discussion in my group. But here, here it is. It says, how should the Lord's choice of Aaron as a priest encourage us? Now, we've supplied a, an answer here that we think uh, you may hear in your group. And the answer might go like this. You know, why should the Lord's choice of Aaron as a priest encourage us? Well, because the Lord knows that we're weak and we're sinful people, and yet he still loves us and desires to use us. 
And God is not constrained by human sin and our imperfections, but he uses weak vessels to highlight his mercy. And the cleansing of Aaron illustrates God's grace to cleanse sinners of their sins in Jesus. And though we fail, we can still be of use to God. There may be people in your group this week that have failed in a marriage or business or relationship. Something is, is haunting them, and, and they need to hear that God can take frail humanity, people like us that are sinners saved by grace, and do good things with us. Just because we've sinned doesn't mean we get shelved. And some people in your group may need to hear that encouraging word. Well, there's a, an essential doctrine. You know, we've got 99 doctrines that we cover in a three-year period here in Gospel Project. And essential doctrine number 82 comes up in this session right here. It's called the priesthood of the believer. And in the leader guide, you'll find a definition of this priesthood of the believer. And here's what it says, that God's intention for humanity is that we be a kingdom of priests, not just a kingdom with priests. And although God set up the priestly system in the Old Testament due to the sinfulness of humanity and the people's need for a mediator, his ultimate purpose is that we come to God directly through the mediating work of Jesus Christ, thus eliminating the need for another priest. And so it goes on, but this is going to be something that you're going to want to help your people understand a little more deeply. Now, in point number three, as you turn that corner in your group and you're, you're headed into home plate, so to speak, uh, this last point is very powerful. And it, we've titled this section, Worship of God, It Centers on His Presence. And it's from Exodus 40, verses 34 to 38. Here's what it says. Can you imagine what this looked like when the Hebrew people saw this taking place at the tabernacle? Here's what verse 34 says and following. The cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, or filled the tabernacle. The Israelites set out what, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle through all the stages of their journey. If the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and there was a fire inside the cloud by night, visible to the entire house of Israel throughout all the stages of their journey. Wow, what an image. Well, with all of the work that had been completed on the tabernacle, you know, now the cloud covered the tent of meeting. And just as the Lord has, had descended on Mount Sinai in a great cloud, the presence of God came down in the midst of his people, Israel. God was now dwelling among his people, but the Israelites still could not come to God safely, let alone enjoy unfettered fellowship with him, as Moses' example established here. And while the tabernacle now functioned as God's dwelling place, it did not yet function as a tent of meeting. Something had to be done to bridge the gap between the holy God and his sinful people. Now, the book of Leviticus that follows Exodus would tell Moses and the Israelites how an unholy people could draw near to God and how his presence could remain among the people and be enjoyed by his people. Now, remember that today God's presence in, in Jesus Christ, it does not cause us to withdraw in fear, 
but it empowers us to go and to share the good news, calling people to draw near to the God who has drawn near to them by the blood of his son. And as believers, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, leading and convicting and encouraging and strengthening us for holy lives as we seek to honor our Savior and to support the mission that is in his name. Well, as you get to the end of the, the lesson, don't forget that we want to challenge the people that are in our groups to respond. And on page number 100 in your leader guide, we've got three ideas for you here, a head, a heart, and a hands response. The head uh, response is obviously something to know. The heart response is something to believe, and then the hands response, something to do. Now, I'm going to go back to the, the head response. So this is one option for our people to respond. There's a question here that I think is outstanding. What are some ways that you can remain faithful or can remain mindful, sorry, of the presence of God each and every day? What are some of the ways you can, re you can remain mindful of the presence of God each and every day? The Israelites were minded of his presence, you know, by seeing the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire. But today we don't have that. So what would your group leaders respond? How would they say they can remain mindful of his presence each and every day? Under the heart response, there's another great question. How will you choose to live and worship because you are a dwelling place for the holy God? Just as his presence filled the tabernacle, his Holy Spirit fills us. How will we choose to live and worship him since he lives in us? And then the hands response. With whom will you share the good news of God's glory in Christ? Obviously, we're asking people to consider sharing Christ with a friend, a family, a neighbor, a coworker as a result of their relationship with Christ. But well, it's going to be a great lesson. Don't forget to take a look at the extra section there in the back of your, your teaching plans. Uh, we've got extra commentary, extra illustrations, things that will help engage your learners in this week's study. Thanks for being with me this week. We'll do this again next time as we continue marching through unit number five, and we will uh, be in session number five. It'll round out this January, this month of January, these five Sundays, these five sessions. Next time, we're going to talk about the means of worship. So we've talked about the place of meeting this week on January 23rd. January the 30th, uh, we'll talk about the means of worship. I look forward to having you back then, and I hope that you're doing well. We're praying for you and for your churches in this brand new year. Hope you're, hope you're experiencing the Lord's presence and his power as you teach and as you serve and as you minister to your group. God bless you, and I'll talk to you next week.